What's up, friends? Welcome again to the Mic Check, the podcast where we seek to strengthen the church to make a stronger defense of the faith by biblically checking the unbiblical. I'm Mike Rule. I serve as the pastor of Highlands Bible Church in Vernon, New Jersey. On today's episode, we are going to look at one of the strongest objections to the faith, the problem of evil, and specifically natural disasters. That being said, let's roll. I have to say that uh, I just suffered my own little, little-scale disaster here just a, a few moments ago. Um, fresh, hot, steaming cup of Keurig coffee from the Highlands Bible Church Keurig. Yep, all over. Done. Spilled all over the desk. Uh, fortunately, the Lord was gracious. Did not get on the keyboard, did not get on the mouse, did not get somehow on this trusty microphone. Man, I saw my whole life flash before my eyes. So... Uh, Mic check 2.0, uh, when we get there and when we get to a new building someday, there will definitely be a mic check studio where such things will not happen. But anyway, as we get rolling here on the mic check today, I do want to just pause and say a brief thank you to everybody for your support. It has been rather overwhelming. Thank you so much for uh, the, the listens, the subscribes, the Instagram follows, all of that, and the encouraging comments. Thank you. If you could even... Be so kind as to give us a quick review on Spotify or Spotify or Apple Podcasts. That would be tremendous. Also, as always, feel free to submit questions through the website, themikecheckpodcast.com, or Spotify has a little Q&A button as well, I noticed there. Um, what we seek to do here is serve the church, and uh, as you may have noticed, it's focused on our church, the Highlands Bible Church. Last week, we had Robert Waters on from Sussex Christian School and one of our members here. And so we're going to alternate between times where it's kind of a monologue and where I'm going to address a topic, an apologetic topic of how we can strengthen the church to make a stronger defense of the faith. And then also we're going to have people on that are going to be guests, etc., etc. But today, it's just us. It's just me and you. And so the topic today is really one that has been... Um, born out of just what we see in the news. In the news, you've seen a few significant natural disasters. Of course, we have the Hawaii wildfires, right? Um, they were horrific. What began as a small brush fire near Lahaina quickly became the deadliest wildfire in modern U.S. history. The official death toll Stands at 115, I believe, at this point, but we all know that there are hundreds more that are still missing. And due to the heat and the intensity of the fire, it makes identifying those who were lost so much more difficult. Over 30,000 people fled the fast-moving fire, and it left 80% of Lahaina completely destroyed. We saw people literally jumping into the ocean to escape the flames. It's one example. Back in June, some of our own family had a massive fire and suffered significant property loss. And they're still walking through that and the ramifications of it. At the time of this podcast, another example, we have Hurricane Adalia, which is pounding southern Florida with heavy winds, massive flooding, significant property damage. Loss of life has already started. And of course, it's just about certain when you have a storm that is that big. And so how do we process these things? Some may be tempted to think like, 
where is God in all this? Or, or how can a good God allow such suffering? And here we've stumbled on one of the biggest and most difficult objections to our faith, which is the problem of evil and suffering. And so before we jump in, quick caveat, this is a podcast shooting to be about a 30-minute podcast, right? We're giving an introduction to a very deep subject. This isn't going to be everything on the subject. Lots of people have written lots of good things about that. But my goal here is just to kind of biblically frame it and give you something to think about and hopefully strengthen you. Quick little drink there of what remains of my coffee. Well, here's the problem, and we'll state it as a, a syllogism. Christians say that God exists and he is good. However, Evil and suffering definitely exist, as evidenced in natural disasters. And so, therefore, here's the conclusion and the argument against God's existence. Either God does not exist, or if he does exist, he is unable or unwilling to prevent it. The philosopher Epicurus in about 300 BC said, Is God willing to prevent evil but not able? Then he's not omnipotent. Is he able but not willing? Then he's malevolent. Is he both able and willing? Then whence cometh evil? Is he neither able nor willing? Then why call him God? John Frame calls this probably the most difficult problem in all of theology. This is a real objection. Perhaps the strongest objection to the faith, and here's why. Because evil exists, suffering exists, we've all experienced it. It is undeniable evil and suffering exist in the world, right? So how do we, how do we reconcile that with the idea of a good, loving, sovereign, omnipotent, omniscient God? We ask, why is this happening? Where are you? Why aren't you doing something? Don't you see these people suffering? Why did you not prevent this? but it also snaps us to attention, right? What, what if a family member, a friend, a child, a coworker asks you that question, how can God allow what's happening in Hawaii? How can God allow uh, fires to destroy buildings? How can God allow um, what's happening in Florida right now with the hurricane? And so we're going to jump into that. So first, just to get us rolling, a couple different types of the problem of evil. There's really two when we talk about it. There's the logical problem of evil, which is how can God and evil both exist? And in the Christian worldview, we answered this immediately, well, with sin. And we're going to look at some of those texts in a moment. Evil exists because of sin. And that's fine and well and good when you're talking about the logical problem of evil. I can intellectually understand that. But the second type of the problem of evil is the practical problem of evil. And that question asks not how God and evil can both exist, but why? Why me? Why now? Why here? Why is this evil happening to me? And the answer to that, Christians, we have to tap out. We have to say only God knows. We're not going to give an answer for that. We can't give an answer for that because these are the ways of God. And we're going to talk all about that. A couple definitions within evil. We have moral evil, which is an agent causes evil. In other words, sin. I sin against you. I am an agent of moral evil. There's natural evil, which we're focusing on today. No agent caused evil. And these are tornadoes, hurricanes, tsunamis, viruses. There's no agent involved. Calm down, conspiracy theorists. Moral evil caused natural evil. And I just want to look at a few passages. 
without spilling my coffee this time. Genesis chapter 3, verse 17 says this after the fall. God says to Adam, because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain, you shall eat it all the days of your life. And so we see sin entering into the world and evil and suffering entering into the world as a result of sin, as a result of the fall. Second, we see one in Isaiah 24, verse 6. Sorry, trying to stay in front of the microphone here. Therefore, a curse devours the earth and its inhabitants suffer for their guilt. The curse. The earth is cursed because of our rebellion against God. And therefore, sin has entered the world and we have evil. We have natural disasters and, and, and such. One more in Romans 8.22, which will be familiar to all of you Highlanders as we're preaching through the book of Romans. Romans 8.22 says, For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. Creation groaning under the weight of sin. So we have moral evil, we have natural evil, and we know that moral evil is the cause of natural evil. We didn't have tornadoes, hurricanes, tsunamis before the fall, right? Two other kind of smaller, I guess you'd say, uh, definitions of evil, metaphysical evil, uh, demons, Satan, and then one more that I stole from uh, Johnny Mack, uh, eternal evil in hell. So the idea that there's an eternal evil represented in hell for those who continue to reject God. So let's overlay then some various worldview approaches, right? Remember, we no person in the world is neutral. There's a myth of neutrality. Right? We are never neutral. We all have a worldview. We all process things. And how we process things, our worldview then affects what we see, our, our, our truth, our presuppositions. Our worldview determines our perspective. And I like to say, people who remember the Problems with Christianity series that we did uh, last summer, there's three key worldviews. There's atheism, there's selfism, and there's theism. Atheism says there is no God, right? Ah, theos. There is no God. And so looking at the the problem of evil from an atheistic perspective, we'd have to end up here. And that is evil just happens randomly and without reason. This is totally hopeless. The ultimate end to an atheistic position. If everything's just here and now, if everything's just naturalistic and scientific, I'm using air quotes, right? Then there, we can only say that evil just happens randomly and without reason. This then prevents or proves that there is no God. Famous atheist Bertrand Russell said, anyone who has sat beside the bed of a dying child cannot believe in God. Right. The idea that there is evil, so therefore God can't exist. This view is also rather self-defeating because it renders the whole discussion on this meaningless. Because if there's no God, then evil is not evil. You don't have any basis to call anything evil, and it's just stuff that happens. And so why are we even talking about this? Why does it matter? This atheistic worldview fails because it's inconsistent, right? There's no atheist that can live consistently in their own worldview. If everything is just here and now and everything's socially constructed, then there's no greater reason for anything. But the moment that, that an atheist wants to put greater reasoning on something, they're stepping out of their worldview and they're stepping into a biblical worldview. For example, everyone wants justice. The effects of evil are real. We all know the pain of evil and we want some resolution, but if it's random, then there can't be any. 
And when we try to keep an atheistic worldview, maybe let's look at it this way. Say an atheist is the victim of a robbery and they cry out for justice. But right at that moment when they cry out for justice, they're outside their worldview. They won't be, be satisfied with evil just being random if they are robbed. No, they want justice, right? And of course, they would say it's because morality is socially constructed, which is nonsense, and we'll get to that later. Why are people outraged at the suffering? And I would say being outraged at the suffering is completely incompatible with an atheistic worldview. The very fact that you care, that you have a visceral reaction about evil, is something that is put there by your creator. So that's the atheistic approach to evil. Second worldview, the, the selfist or the selfism. The existence of evil has to have a reason that I could understand. Okay? So God, you owe me an explanation. Why did you let this happen? And kind of shaking their fists at the sky. This fails simply because it's impossible. This is the ultimate arrogance of the self. God owes me an explanation for anything that I determine is offensive. So the question is, why are we owed an explanation? And what makes us think that we could understand it if God did give us an explanation? This problem increased, of course, during the Enlightenment period, and now we know it as the over-psychologized, the over-therapeutic self. Human beings became far more confident in their own powers of reason and perceptive perception. rather. In other words, I can't see or imagine any good reason for evil, so therefore there must not be one. It's, it doesn't work that way any other, any other concept, right? Just because we can't understand something doesn't mean it doesn't exist. It doesn't mean God doesn't exist because we can't understand his ways. This is the idea of putting ourselves on the throne instead of God, a man-centered perspective instead of a God-centered perspective. We think that everything that happens in this world has to be explainable to us. And if we don't accept that explanation, then therefore we reject whatever's happening. The temptation when we talk about God in this worldview is to reinvent God to make him understandable to us, right? There's a bunch of... Uh, heresies that are involved in that, whether that's process theology, that God is still developing and changing in response to the circumstances and environments, or open theism. There are some things that God knows and some things that he cannot control. Or dualism, right? There's this great war against good versus evil. All of that stuff is unbiblical. All of that stuff bows at the altar of us. And so selfism would look at the problem of natural disasters and evil and would say, well, I don't understand it, so therefore God can't exist. The last, the third worldview, theism, the biblical worldview, says God is sovereign over all things, including evil. When we use the word sovereign, we mean absolute total control. God is sovereign over all things, including evil. And there are a surprising amount of Christians that really have a theology where God is not sovereign. That God is not in control of every single thing in his creation, but in order for God to be God... In order for God to be the biblical God, he has to be completely sovereign over every square inch of his creation, as Kuiper said. And as R.C. Sproul would say, there, are, there can't be any maverick molecules. Every single molecule, cell, atom, every square inch is under the creator's control. And that includes evil. And that's something that we got to kind of wrap our heads around. There are several texts in the Bible that one of my uh, theology professors would call uh, spectrum texts. Uh, Deuteronomy 32, 
39 says, See now that I, even he, I am he, and there is no God beside me. I kill and I make alive. I wound and I heal. And there is none that can deliver you out of my hand. Look at 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 6. The Lord kills and brings to life. He brings down to Sheol and raises up. And one more in Isaiah 45, 7. I form light and create darkness. I make well-being and create calamity or disaster or actually evil. In the Hebrew, it's ra, which is evil. I am the Lord who does these things. And so when we think biblically about God, we've got to realize that, again, we can also fall into the, the dualistic worldview that says, well, God's just in charge of the good, and then Satan's in charge of all the bad. And some days Satan wins, and some days God wins. No, that's not the biblical worldview. God is sovereign over every single thing in his universe. We just read three massive texts that prove that. So the main challenge to that view is, of course, well, does that make God the author of sin? Well, no. Human beings are the author of sin. But if he created human beings with a free will, he knew that they would choose sin. So God is ultimately responsible then? Sort of. And that's where we've got to not let God off the hook because, yes, he knew, and God is ultimately responsible for everything that happens in his universe. But the answer is this. He didn't create evil, but he sovereignly ordains evil. Here's a quote from Grudem. Even a verse such as Isaiah 45, 7, which speaks of God as creating evil, does not say that God himself does evil, but should be understood to mean that God ordained that evil would come about through the willing choices of his creatures. He knew it would happen. And he's sovereign over it. God stands indirectly behind evil, bending it, redeeming it for his purposes. But God is not the originator of evil. Beware the temptation to let God off the hook. And that's led to several really bad responses to the problem of evil. Why? Well, we're trying to explain God, and that only goes so far. Christians, one pastor said, have to be comfortable with a certain amount of mystery when we're talking about the problem of evil, especially. There are things about God, guys, that we're just not going to be able to understand. And that's when we have to trust him. If we understood him, we'd be God. And we don't want to be God. Humanistic, like the selfism worldview, want to dumb God down and bring him down to something that we can understand. We have to understand every single facet of God for me to believe in it. Give me all the evidence, then I will believe in it. No, that's not the God of the Bible. The God of the Bible is the one who is sovereign over every aspect of his creation, and we can't understand all of that, right? Instead, we are called to submit to this God and bow down and worship this God for his greatness and his sovereignty. And we as human beings are more than uncomfortable with that, aren't we? Because we are the gods of our own universe, not him. So this is, in, in its reality, this is a worship issue. This is a battle of, am I God or is God God? So some... some some worldview analysis there, the three worldviews, um, atheism, selfism, theism. But how do we process this? How do we engage others on the topic of natural disasters or any kind of evil for that matter? I'll give us a couple things. First, seek to understand the biblical worldview. Guys, if you don't understand the biblical worldview, read the whole Bible. I can't stress that enough. Read the entire Bible from cover to cover. Yes, I know the, the vast majority of Christians have actually not read the Bible from cover to cover. So start there. Read the Bible from cover to cover, and you will be forced to come to some you're going to have to wrestle with these things, uh, and the Bible will, will give you the answers for that as you wrestle with it. 
If you read the whole Bible, you will see the last part of the story is that God will judge evil and he will restore good. Evil will be banished forever. Revelation 21 verse 4 says, He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. We have to realize that sometimes we just want too much from this world, and an evil-free world is what happens in the next world. That's the end of evil. And so if you read and seek to understand the biblical worldview, you'll understand the hope that the last part of the story brings. One person wrote that we cannot understand the origin of evil, but we can understand the future of evil. God will destroy it one day in judgment. This brings the truth that he has done something to fix evil forever. That's one of my responses when somebody says, why isn't God doing something about this? He has done something about this. He has. He sent Jesus Christ, his one and only son, to take all of the sin and evil on his shoulders on the cross, and he was gloriously resurrected thereby giving sin and evil a, a, a fatal blow. And one day he will return and evil will be gone forever. So the answer to the question of why hasn't God or why won't God do something about this is always he has. He has. But of course what that question means is, is why is he letting this happen right now? And we've got to let people ask that question. we got to resist the, the oppor- opportunity, the, the bad idea, right, to respond with platitudes. Look at the Psalms. Look at how David wrestled with all this. Like one minute, he's like, where can I go from your presence? And the next moment, he's like, where are you? Are you going to ignore me forever? How long, O Lord? We look at Job where he's asking why, why, why? We're allowed to ask why, church. We're allowed to wrestle through this, but wrestle through it knowing that God has done something to one day bring evil to its ultimate end. And if you ever need to know how God can bring good from evil, look to the cross. When we look at good Friday, in air quotes, that is the ultimate evil. Jesus was crucified. Perfect, sinless son of God was crucified. And he was done so. He was crucified to bring about the penultimate good, the ultimate, ultimate good. So first thing. Seek to understand the biblical worldview. That's step one to how we process all of this stuff. Don't try and, and figure it out without knowing what the Bible says from cover to cover. And we also have to remember the, the biblical reality is that each and every minute of the day, God is actually restraining evil in his grace and in his power. John MacArthur said, I've quoted him a couple times, but if you struggle with God being sovereign, imagine if he wasn't. The idea that God is actively restraining evil. And if he wasn't, this world would implode in seconds. And so we have to emphasize the sovereignty of God. So seek to understand the biblical worldview, the entire biblical worldview from cover to cover, emphasize the sovereignty of God, and push back. If you have somebody who is Uh, objecting to how a good God can allow such natural disasters, assert that the existence of evil doesn't necessarily mean that God can't exist. Just because we can't see reasons for evil doesn't necessarily mean that there aren't any. The rest of the world clearly brings good from evil. We see that all the time. Life-saving medical treatments that are caused through pain as people suffer and they understand how to treat them. We're we're discipling and disciplining children in order to train them. That's painful for them. 
Many of us have been through the pain of personal growth, the pain of loss that eventually brings life through tragedy, through relationships, or etc. So, you know, we have to push back a little bit and assert that just because evil exists, that doesn't necessarily mean that God can't exist. Just because we can't see the reasons for evil doesn't necessarily mean that there aren't any. And in that assertion, here's a great question to ask. What's your solution to the problem of evil? From your worldview, how do you explain hurricanes? I have an explanation for it. The Bible has an explanation for it. How do you explain it from your worldview? And their answers will fall far short of the biblical worldview because the truth is that the biblical worldview is the only one that does have the answers for sin, suffering, evil, and natural disasters. But also, maybe the last part is we have to act. We have to act. We can't prevent evil, and we're not going to understand why it happens to some people at some times instead of others, but we can act to counter the effects of evil. Christians should be the ones at the front lines combating the effects of evil, whether that is helping with natural disasters, being on the front lines in, in cleanup. I can remember years ago being involved in hurricane cleanup when we had some, some storms through in New Jersey, the churches mobilized. We should be acting to counter the effects of evil. We should be helping those in need physically. We should be seeking to be on the front lines to do those things. And of course, the best thing that we can do is pray for those in need. We can be generous. We can be sacrificially generous. We're not going to have the answers, but we can definitely be there for people in the midst of their evil and suffering. And I would also say just resist the temptation to try and explain this away in simple platitudes. Nobody wants the Ned Flanders approach while we're in the valley, in the midst of suffering, or in the midst of a natural disaster that has affected us. We can't just try and simplify it. One of the best things that we can say is, this is hard. This is so difficult. I understand this is hard. I don't know why this is happening. I don't know why God allowed this to happen. But I can tell you this. I can tell you that he is good and that he's here with you. Church, that is some of the most powerful things that we can say. We can admit when something is hard, and we have to, to sympathize with people. But if we are going to try to give an answer as to why God allowed this, then we are way out of our lane. And sometimes we're going to be wrong. People don't need the platitudes. They don't need the simple answers. They need our presence, and they need our help in the midst of it. Well, I hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Mike Check Podcast. Maybe I shouldn't use that word enjoyed because we covered a heavy topic. But you know, these are the things that we have to work through because these are the things that are in our world. These are in our headlines right now. I'm going to drop in the show notes uh, resources to the Problems with Christianity series link where we had that at uh, Highlands Bible Church where people were asking questions. We had some good dialogue about the problem of evil. As always, I would love to hear from you. Shoot us an email at mike at the mikecheckpodcast.com. You can also fill out the contact form on the website, themikecheckpodcast.com. If you'd like to follow me on Twitter, I'm on Twitter, so just search for me there. If you'd like to know more about Highlands Bible Church, you can visit us at highlandsbiblechurch.org. We are also on Instagram and the Facebooks. Until next time, folks, continue on, press on, check the unbiblical with the biblical, and we will see you next time on The Mike Check. Check.